Hello, Guilty Feminist. This is Deborah. We're heading off to Australia and New Zealand, where we will be appearing live and recording an episode in Christchurch on the 11th of May, Auckland on the 14th of May, Wellington on the 15th of May, Adelaide on the 18th of May, Perth on the 20th, Sydney on the 23rd, Melbourne on the 25th, Brisbane on the 27th, and finally Canberra on the 28th of May. So get in and get your tickets now. They are going very fast. Please go to guiltyfeminist.com and just click on live shows for any of these events. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. I'm a feminist, but I'm interrupting the beginning of my podcast to say that, yes, tickets are on sale for the 23rd of April gala screening of Say My Name, the movie that I wrote and have a cameo in that also stars Sindhu V at the Odeon Leicester Square Lux. It's going to be a red carpet, celeb-tastic event, dress glam, but that can be whatever that means to you, even if it's your most fun uh, feminist t-shirt. And it's in celebration with Amnesty on the night. We're auctioning some things off for Amnesty and the Guilty Feminist and Amnesty are going to make a very special announcement about our partnership going forward. Don't miss it. I've said to save the date for a couple of weeks. It's time to buy the tickets. You can go to guiltyfeminist.com and click the link or go to the Odeon website. And also the Say My Name trailer is out now on Apple Trailers. Uh, you can find it there and on YouTube or a link from our website. And also go to the Say My Name movie Facebook page. Give us a like, give us a share, check out the trailer, get involved. The more people who hashtag Say My Name movie and say they'd like to see it, the better the distribution will be and the more female-driven films and television shows will be funded. So please give us some support. And now a very special podcast we recorded in Australia early this year. I'm so excited about this one. Do enjoy. I'm a feminist, but when I watch The Crown, the TV drama about the royal family, I always think if I had to choose between being the Queen or Princess Margaret, I'd choose Princess Margaret, because although the Queen has the big job, Princess Margaret is so hot and her clothes are magnificent, and she's always getting her portrait taken by some incredibly handsome man. And I think this even though no one is pushing me to choose. (laughs) No one's ever said... Come on now, you've got to choose or you'll never get off this magical island. It's just, I choose myself. I make that choice. She is so pretty, though. I'm a feminist, but I've lost three kilos slash eight pounds for our UK listeners in the past few months because of stress. And the feminist in me was sad that I didn't feel as strong or as heavy as I did at the end of last year. The feminist butt in me was even sadder that my big tits weren't as big. I love my tits. I love them too, Felicity. Thank you, mate. I'm a feminist, but I'm sitting here thinking, how do I catch that stress? (laughs) (laughs) It's terrible. terrible. That will not be going in. That won't be going in. It will not be going in. 
That is the thing. That's always the thing when people go, oh, my God, you're so skinny. I'm like, yeah, I have an anxiety disorder. They're like, maybe I should get one. I'm like, yeah, I'm about to give you one in a second. I know, I know. That sounds so much fun. Just, like, constant adrenaline in your body and, like, so tired you can't sleep but also, like, exhausted from being awake for days. Oh, my God, look at my waist. I'm a feminist, but I've been wearing feminist T-shirts all week, not because I have been championing the cause, but because I left most of my clothes in New Zealand, where I was staying, and so now I'm relying on Australian Guilty Feminist listeners to come to the show and give me presents afterwards so I have something to wear. All day today I wore a T-shirt that said, I'm a diva with the fever of change which is absolutely lovely and great and the only thing I had clean. Someone gave it to me last night. So if anyone has brought me a T-shirt tonight, that would be very handy for tomorrow morning. Oh, could we do it like we're at the Super Bowl and they, like, throw T-shirts? You know, they throw T-shirts. Out of a cannon. Out of a... Does anyone have a cannon? Did anyone bring a a T-shirt cannon? No, okay. That's a surprise. Did anyone bring me a T-shirt tonight? All would take theirs off so I could have it. (laughs) Yes, okay, so I might get about to get the environment. I've also been offered the feminist as fuck t-shirt that's been worn here three nights in a row, mm. and so I'm The not environment sure about that one. one looking very nice, very clean. Oh, it's oh. coming off now. Oh, it's coming off. Yes, oh. mate. Oh, she's got a little vest on underneath. Thank you. I love it. Oh, it's a lovely cannon, wasn't it? Okay, so if you're listening at home... If you're listening at home, I've just been given a T-shirt that says the environment is a feminist issue, which I will be wearing tomorrow morning. So thank you very much. Are you going to do and a little a shower wash? You know, you yeah, do the yeah, hotel yeah, bath yeah, shower. Yeah, 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 I'll do it. <laughs> that is the most guilty feminist heckle on record. <laughs> the lady who just gave me her feminist T-shirt shouted, please wash it, I'm perimenopausal. Can someone oh, please put that on a T-shirt? It's a safe space. Please wash this. It's I'm perimenopausal. Safe space. Oh. I'm a feminist, but when I heard the news this week of the man suing his parents for giving birth to him without consent, oh my god! I secretly hoped the mother, who is a lawyer, is countersuing for irreparable physical damage to her vagina. <laughs> playing at what game is he playing it's got to be a game right yeah he's just trying to piss them off it's just an act of rebellion surely what a loser (laughs) i know that's not very smart but what a loser imagine your life is so good that you're like do you know what my parents did to me and they're like oh my god what was it was it alcoholism was it abuse no they gave birth to me yeah same yeah but they didn't get my consent. No, because you weren't a person. You couldn't talk. Not the point, isn't it? I'm a feminist, but tonight I went to the burger place next door to the Thornbury Theatre here in Melbourne before the show. I needed some energy because I've done two shows in a row and I, you know, just had that sort of like, I'll just get myself some chips, some like fries to give myself some energy. Hot chips, they're called here. 
Hot chips. Hot chips. You've got to call them hot chips. Hot chips. So if you're listening in England, they're just chips. <laughs> if, you're, if you're listening in Australia, they're hot chips. And if you're living in America, they're fries. But I believe that word transcends as well. Yeah. yeah. Cooked potato. Yeah. In sticks. <laughs> I'm a visual artist. What can I say? When I got there, the man asked me, do you want small or large? And I said, large, because I thought I'd share them with Felicity and the other guests backstage. But then he said, eat in or take away. And I thought, do you know what? I could use some time to focus on my material. So I said, eat in. And then when they came to the table, they were really big, like enough for a family of four. And I just had that moment, you know that little voice in your head, which I try not to listen to anymore, but that just said, others will be judging you. Like people will look and they'll go, oh, you've got a mountain of chips. So I thought, well, I won't eat them all because I don't need them all. And I don't, you know, I won't want all of those chips before I go on stage because I'll feel, you know, slow and heavy. So I don't want that. So I'll only eat half of them, but they're here now and it's fine. And no one is judging you. No one's looking at you. Nobody is looking. No one cares what you're eating. Nobody cares what you're eating. And then I noticed a young woman who was sitting opposite who kept looking over at me and I thought, she is judging me. <laughs> and then I saw that she had a T-shirt that said, on Wednesdays we smash the patriarchy. And I thought, oh, she's in my audience. And now she's going to recognize me and think, oh, eating a family portion of chips before the show. And I thought, she's not thinking, she doesn't care. She's not, she's not even going to notice. She might not even know it's you because she, you know, she knows your voice. She might not know exactly what you look like. So just work on your material. So I was just sitting there working on my material thinking, is this ridiculous that you would even consider that anyone would give a fuck what you were eating. And even the next thing I knew, she was right there going, hello, are you Deborah from The Guilty Feminist? And I was like, yes, I am. And as she leaned over to say, I really enjoyed the podcast, I looked in the basket and realized that I had, in fact, eaten all the chips, but three. <laughs> like, all of them. All of them. But we had a lovely chat, and I don't think she noticed or cared what I was eating. Did, where, where are you? Thank you. You didn't notice at all. Here you go. Did you... What? Sorry, you told me your name at the time. Is it Emily. Emily, are you saying you also had a large chips? Poutine. Yes. Okay. You, you're, she's very kindly claiming she also had the large chips. She didn't. Because the large chips were clearly for four people. She shared the large chips with her boyfriend and her mother, who she was also sitting with. But we did have a lovely conversation. Were you both good. just, like, having reflux at each other? Going, I really love... <laughs> no. Yeah. Oh, hang on, it's stuck in my chest. You know when you eat chips and they just get stuck in your chest and you're like, you need to go up or down, mate. You can't hang out there. I need a lie down. Potato really... I don't... It really sticks in my chest. I can't eat many chips, but I love them. I don't trust people that don't like chips, by the way. That's a rule for life. You don't trust people that are rude to waiters and you don't trust people that don't like chips. You should write a book of wisdom, Felicity Ward's wisdom. I'm a feminist, but when I drove faster than a tradie in a van and he had to pull in behind me when the lanes merge, I thought, sucked in, you got beaten by a girl. <laughs> Live from the Thornbury Theatre in Melbourne, Spontaneity Shop presents The Guilty Feminist with me, Deborah Francis Light, and guest co-host, 
special guests Lydia Thorpe and Darcy Vissio and the big feminist sing talking about pulling others up the ladder. This is The Guilty Feminist, the podcast in which we explore our noble goals as 21st century feminists and the hypocrisies and insecurities which undermine them. Undermine them. I, I am aware that is getting more ridiculous all the time, but I cannot stop it. I love it. I I love, your I've mouth tried. is getting bigger as you say, undermine them. Undermine them. Uh, today, we are with Felicity Ward talking about pulling others up the ladder. So have you had a guilty week or a feminist week, Flick? Oh, I did. I mean, I, you've asked me this every time we've done the podcast and for some reason I didn't prepare. No, no, I don't always ask. I didn't ask you last night. We did a show here last night. Have you, you, you go first. Have you had a guilty week or a feminist week? I would say I would have had a feminist week. Two reasons. One is... I've Look how here. pleased you are. You're leaning yeah. in, you're like... Yeah, Actually, I'm feeling, yeah, I've got I'm, some news. I, people never ask me, and I never have to answer it. So I was thinking, oh God, am I going to be caught? No, I'm feeling smug because I've been touring, doing guilty feminist shows, sure. And secondly, I have been watching The Good Place. Ooh. And so now, I don't know if you, anyone, if anyone doesn't know The Good Place, it's a sitcom, an American sitcom, but it's about people who arrive in the afterlife. And it's a broad sitcom with lots of gags and falling over and stuff. But it's also... <laughs> don't worry, there's lots of falling over. Don't, don't worry, there's, there's comedy schmomedy. But it's also a very philosophical show, and it's about uh, what consequences our actions have and whether goodness is based on our intention or the impact and, and can you ever really be good and those kind of things. So now I have this awareness of my actions all the time. How is this action going to land? Like, in some Could you ways, hear how breathy she went when she said Awareness. Awareness. <laughs> In some ways, in some ways, I feel I should have had this awareness before now. But uh, <laughs> before I watched a network television sitcom, but but this situation comedy has in fact brought me to a heightened awareness of my actions and which ones of those are truly feminist. Mm-hmm. Um, I highly recommend it. I've only what, got fem- being a feminist. <laughs> yeah, that too. I've only got one episode to go in the current season three, which is all that's come out. And so while I am enjoying being here with you, I am. Also, where <laughs> I would rather be watching The Good Place. It's actually on this I- iPad playing right now. It's oh, it's 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 not. You know that feeling you get though when you think, "Oh, I've saved it." When I get home from the show tonight, I'm going to get into bed on my iPad, and it's just going to be me, The Good Place, and these five stars. Couple of biggies. Couple of little biggies. Delicious, delicious. Do you, do you know what sad thought I had when you said, I'm going to eat these when I'm alone? I was like, aren't we always alone? That was the chip thought? thought I had. Oh, my God. Yeah. Felicity. Yeah, I mean, if, I couldn't you tell you... You would love the good place. <laughs> if, if you asked me if I had a feminist week or a, a not feminist week, I couldn't tell you. If, you. if you asked me if I had a happy week or a dark week, I think we know where that answer's going. Sure. Sure. Interesting topic. Do you feel that you were helped up the ladder by other people? I was trying to think about that. I mean, no one gets where they are by themselves, but it seems like I have. And <laughs> I'm actually just quite talented. I <laughs> no, 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 I'm not like the other girls. I <laughs> sorry, you know. Oh, okay. that was a joke. I, that was a joke. You know the, the, those girls that go, I don't really have a lot of female friends. I'm not like the other girls. <laughs> 
good for you. Anyway, I, <laughs> I'm a little bit tired and had a cry this afternoon, so this could be a loose show. It's, it's, it's loose, it's real, it's authentic. Is it's it very is. authentic. Actually, um, I'm just being my authentic self, which actually is a feminist act. <laughs> it's hot, okay? It's hot. I'm just going to say, that's true. And if you don't say it in that voice, <laughs> it's going to be, you know... Better? Mm. Um, <laughs> do you... I don't want to assume, like, when I say pull people up the ladder, it's not like we're so far up the ladder <laughs> no. that we're now magnanimously going, please, come up my ladder. Yeah, I'm not but building saying, ladders for other people because I'm finished climbing. No, no. But are you, you are a certain way up the ladder, I'm a certain way up the ladder. Are you, just through age, um, <laughs> you know, even, the end if, is near. even if the ladder's on the ground, you know, it's fallen, slipped off the building, you're still going across the ladder because you've got to while you're alive. Um, to be fair, you... all ladders are on the ground. Oh, they sure, at some be. point, yeah. Unless they're point. hanging off a boat. Yeah, that's true. Good points, good points. Or, yeah. Just FYI. Good points. Uh, do you feel you're, you're able now to bring other people up the ladder? Yes, I do feel like I'm at a little bit of a point where I can... Like, there is a WhatsApp group that I started about 18 months ago, and it was so if I had to cancel a gig that I could offer the promoter another comic who was also a woman, and then that sort of expanded into 65 women in this group. Is that the group I'm on? Yeah. Oh, did you start that? No brag. <laughs> I, I did, did you? I did start that group, yeah. Well done. Thanks, That's, mate. Yeah. yeah. I think it's fine. I don't know that. <laughs> That's, the, That's the problem with this topic. you know topic what? I'm going to give you one of my stars. Thank you. Yeah, I'm a one-star one comedian. Group. Yeah. Um, I mean, a lot of the time, it, that group does get used to talk about how awful men are, to be fair. But that's also part of it, of helping each other <laughs> Specific up. men, just to be clear. Not Hashtag men. not all not men. Not like this nice man in the front row with his Union Rules T-shirt. Yes, What's your you name, did. sir? Jono. Of course it is. Of course it is. Um, course it we're is. in Australia, I don't know why I asked. There was no need to ask. You could no have only other been called Steve. Like, they were the two options. Steve-o? Yeah, or yeah. Dazza. No, a classic. Like Do a I want a bicky? Yeah, no, I always want a bicky. It's not a bicky. It's a star. It's a star bicky. Yeah, but it's just, I think we need to... It's a magical... Know what we're eating. I, we're eating our stars. Okay. okay. I mean, surely it would be better if you told me it's got gluten in it or not. That's probably more devastating, but... What's that? The ingredients are on the back. Okay. Contains gluten and dairy. Great. Says. I'll definitely eat it then. Right. Okay. I don't have any intolerances. I mean, I do. I have irritable bowel syndrome, but I don't listen to my body. It's not really my business, you know? I really feel like that when, when people are like, I'm doing the FODMAP diet and I feel so much better. I'm like, cool, I'm not. I'm just going to panic and find a toilet in an uncomfortable place somewhere. I'm just going to get trapped on a tram and go, can I make it to Myers? Will they, is it open? For the people listening in the UK, Myers is a department store that has a fabulous range of toilets. There's actually, there's a... a FYI, if anyone's in Sydney, if you go to Sydney, David Jones is like a fancy department store and, mate, their toilets are... They... Oh, they have carpet on the floor, absorbs the sound, thank you. 
The doors go from top to bottom. bottom. There's a full range of cubicles, lots of anonymity. So if you need to go in there and have a full sesh, you're safe. There's no... There's no knocking on the door. There's like, are you okay? There's none of that. They're all fancy ladies that have just tried some perfume on and they're just trying to take a shit in peace. Biscuit? Felicity knows that I struggle with scatological issues. Mm. I find it tricky to talk about using the lavatory. The lavatory. Mm. The WC. Ma- Ma- have you ever called the it the latrine? WC in your life? I have. Excuse I have, yeah. me, uh, do you have a WC? I, a women of colour? What do you, when you go to a restaurant, what do you ask for, apart from food? Like when you... I would say the loo or the restroom. Restroom. Or bathroom. You ever say toy toy? <laughs> Maybe that's a, something to introduce into a, your vocabulary. Definitely isn't though. So there's, <laughs> there's that. There's that. No, I'm fine talking about sex, but... L- I know. Lavatory. You love it, mate. What? You, well, it's one of my favourite things about you is that there is some elements of... Have I got a reputation for bit of feedback. to talk about sex? I, <laughs> what? No, but you have talked on this podcast a number of times about some sexual adventures. Which have I? I? Well, last, yesterday you talked about you went to a camp oh, or la, 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 la. So my friend tonight okay. said... all right, I'm My sorry. friend tonight said, do you think it's appropriate if I bring my daughter? And I said, sure... Because we're talking about bringing other women up the ladder. It will be ideal. Mm. And she said, well, she came last night because I'm staying with her. Mm. And she said, well, last night there was quite a lot of sex chat. Because I, I said, am disgusting. And I said, well, there won't be tonight. There won't be. <laughs> can I ask a question, can, a feminist can, question? Yes. How old is the young lady? Uh, n- nine. See, a friend of mine works in sexual health and she says the conversation should be regular and start early. So I would consider myself a teacher and <laughs> I think I've got a lot of good things to say on I the topic. This is her actual worst nightmare. <laughs> she wants to fly under the radar and just nothing awkward to be discussed. And now we're discussing whether we can discuss it in front of her. I'm so sorry. I'm so, so not sorry. sorry. All I can do is not say your name. So I've done and that. And we will not discuss fisting. No! no. Oh! <laughs> oh my God! Please welcome to the stage the wonderful Felicity Ward! Oh. I've got a little liner in my shoe and my feet are sweaty so it curls up. True story. I uh, also, side note, just having a moment, you know when you wear a fabric that is not a fabric you wear very often? I'm wearing linen, which is supposed to be very breathable, but linen also is very absorbent. And this is a sweaty theatre, and I've just had a moment going, do I have a patch? <laughs> uh, <laughs> we're safe. We're safe. It's fine when you're wearing jeans, you're like, nah, they'll never see it. A festive elf, she gets sweaty. 
I, look, this is not on the topic, but I was very excited about coming to Melbourne. I lived here for five years. I love the city, world's most livable city. Very, very excited. I have had an absolute shitstorm of a weekend. What happened was I needed a little carry-on bag to come down here because I didn't want to take a big one. And so I thought I'd go to Strand Bags. And um, I'm from the Central Coast. They still have Strand Bags there. And uh, went to Erin Affair, any Coasties listening at home. Really? You know what Erin Affair is? Where are you from? You lived in Kingcumber. There was someone last night that was from Kingcumber. My mum lives around the corner. You've probably had a coffee with her. So, <laughs> so I thought I'd go to Strandbags at Erin Affair. They close at five. And uh, I went in and I got a good one. I paid some money for it. I'm like, good on you. And they said, actually, they've got these TSA locks. And what they are, the zips have a little hole that they can lock into and you can only undo it with your own code. So I put my code in. I'm like, oh, this is amazing. So the next day, I'm going to pack. I've locked them in. I was like, I put my little code in. Now, I've forgotten the code. (laughs) And I thought, that's all right. I'll just reset it. Now, it turns out you've got to take it to a repair shop to get it reset. So I'm like, I don't have a fucking bag. So I borrowed my mum's bag, the handle's broken, I'm angry. So I get down here, but I'm happy to be in Melbourne because it's the most livable city in the world. And I get to the city and everywhere is 40 kilometres an hour. I feel like I'm doing a drive-by everywhere. Like I might have a gun. That's how slowly this entire city... Like if I look at one person, they will get on the ground. If I focus on one person while I'm driving by, I don't look like a gangster, but I am little and will cut you. So I'm driving. So yesterday I was coming to do the Guilty Feminist. They told me they don't have a car space there, so they have valet parking. It's very fancy. I feel very out of my comfort zone. I'm very working class. I've just told you about my sweaty pants. So I call them up, I give them lots of time. They said, you've got to give me 15 to 20 minutes. I'll give them 15 to 20 minutes. Come down 25 minutes later, give them some breathing space. And got down there and they said, oh, it's actually about 10 minutes away. I'm like, oh, why would you make me come down from a comfortable room that I would never be able to afford if the guilty feminist wasn't paying for it? Thank you, Deborah. And... So anyway, I was outside, was having a ciggy, having a Winnie Blue. What a mistake. And do not buy them, even if they have the menthol ball. Awful. And so I'm standing there trying not to pass out and throw up at the same time, talking to the lovely concierge man. And then he said, oh, it's just a couple of minutes away. So I went to tell Deb that I was running late. And then I went for my phone and it wasn't there. And then I looked in my bag and it wasn't there. And I knew I had it with me as I was coming down because Ovi took a selfie in the elevator. And then, so I'm looking for it anywhere. We can't find it. I go to my room. I ransack the room. It's not there. I'm like, oh my God, my phone has been stolen in Melbourne. This is supposed to be the most livable city in the world. What is going on? And then another concierge came up and I said, I'm going to have to call the police. And he said, what kind of phone was it? I said, it's an iPhone 7. He had, does it have like a special cover? I'm like, obviously, it's got a Golden Girls cover. And he's like, oh, we'll keep an eye out for it. And then he goes, oh, hang on, opens his drawer and he goes, is this it? I'm like, how have you been sitting on that for 15 minutes? He's like, I thought it was the other concierge. I'm like, oh, great. Grab my phone. I'm like, world's most livable city. So I get home last night after the show. It's about midnight. Now there is roadworks every 
everywhere in the most livable city in the world. I can't go anywhere. Roads are blocked, trams are blocked. There's a fire down at Burke Street, obviously, so I can't get to my hotel. So I'm doing 20 minutes of U-turns. I'm doing blockies. I'm doing drive-bys. I finally get to my hotel and there's no one at the concierge desk. It's no standing. It's no parking. I'm definitely going to get a fine. I'm panicking. I write a little note. I'm like, hello, it's 12.51. I'm running up to the hotel to get my car moved. Please don't book me. I stick it in the window. I go upstairs and I said, oh, and then I explain my tragic story. He's like, no problem. We'll move it. I'm like, thank you so much. So this morning I have to go somewhere. I have a meeting at 10.30. So I get up very early. I give them plenty of time this time. Plenty of time this time. Give them about 40 minutes this time, don't I? want to give them plenty of time. (laughs) Plenty of time. Get down there. Collins Street is fully blocked. Now I'm staying on Collins Street. I'm like, how is it fully blocked? They're like, don't worry, we can still get it. I'm like, great. Is it here? They're like, absolutely not. So there's these piles of people. People are getting angry. We're getting sweaty. We don't know what's going on. And then finally my car pulls up. I'm probably going to be a bit late for the meeting, but it's going to be okay. And then the guy gets out and he's like, I've got something bad to show you. I'm like, have you dinged my fucking hire car in the world's most livable city? And I go around there and he said, look. And I'm like, I can't see anything. And he's like, look down, and my tyre is flat. So the tyre's flat, so I've got to call the RNCV. It's in the block street. Other people are getting cranky. Taxis can't pull in. The other cars can't pull in. RACV turn up. That is a, an emergency service for people listening overseas. So he fixes my tyre. It's great. I missed the meeting, but that's okay. I go to visit one friend. I go and visit another friend. Then I'm like, I've got to come back because I've got to try and write this. And um, this very well-structured, joke-heavy segment of stand-up material that I'm doing for you now, certainly not just a vent and a absolutely not I wrote this weeks ago and then so I gave myself plenty of time had a bit of a joke with the concierge on the way in I'm like haha this morning was a bit stressful wasn't it haha pass ag pass ag pass ag please don't fuck this up for me again so I'm coming on the way to the guilty feminist record I call up give them plenty of time don't I give them like two hours this time just in case mate Haha, just making sure you've got plenty of time. And he's like, yes, Miss Ward, do you have the docket that has your number? I'm like, of course I do. Look at my bag. Huh, it's not there. That's all right. Probably I swapped bags this morning. It's probably another bag. Go to get in the other bag. It's not there. I'm like, actually, mate, I don't have the docket. He's like, where is it? I'm like, no biggie. It's just with all of my credit cards, licence, every bit of identification and foreign cards that I had. Shouldn't be a problem. I know I dropped my glass too, mate. World's most livable city, I'm sorry. We're all angry. (laughs) So finally, I get down there and I said it might be in the car to the guy on the phone and I finally get down there and I said, did you get it? He's like, it's all there. I went, is the little yellow card there? He's like, oh, no, no idea. I'm like, fuck! And then then I got in the car and it was there. I don't have a big punchline, but it was definitely... (laughs) 
there. So I'm like, I've only got like 24 hours, not even, I've got 12 hours left in this city. So I am just going to go home straight after this. I'm probably going to walk just that, well, actually, that's not a great idea. I'm going to drive, I'm going to get home, and then I'm going to get the fuck out of the world's most livable city. I love you, but I have to leave. Hello, Guilty Feminist listeners. Just interrupting your podcast listening very briefly to say our UK live tour starts on the 1st of May. Guests include Jessica Fosterkue, Kima Bob, Sindhu V, Felicity Ward, Bridget Christie, Desiree Birch, Alison Spittle and many, many more with music from Jess Robinson, Me for Queen and Grace Petrie. Check out our website to see who's coming to your area. We are touring virtually every night of the month and we will be coming to a theatre somewhere near you. Join us for a huge visual, sequent, musical, celebratory extravaganza of feminism that you won't be able to get on the podcast. Come out if you possibly can. Tickets are at many different price ranges and you can get them by going to guiltyfeminist.com and clicking the link. Also, we are coming to record an episode of The Guilty Feminist in Belfast as part of the Women's Work Festival. We've promised to come to Belfast forever. And finally, we are on Saturday, the 8th of June at 7pm. Go to womensworkni.co.uk for tickets. Also, I'm hosting a Q&A after Ostentatious, the brilliant improvised Austin show featuring some Guilty Feminist favourites, Rachel Paris and Carrie Ed Lloyd and other brilliant people on the 29th of April. It's in the West End. Google that to get tickets. And I'm appearing in Jokes and Spokes, the Bike Project comedy fundraiser for refugees with Ed Byrne, Nish Kumar and Jen Brister. That will be on at the Union Chapel the 11th of June. Check their website for tickets. And if you haven't read the Guilty Feminist book yet, try the audiobook. It's like hours of podcast extra. If you run out and you think, oh, I wish there was some more Guilty Feminist, there is. I'm reading the book to you and Adjo Ando, who you heard in the Richard II Amelia episode, is doing the voices of everybody I interviewed. Check it out, ASAP. And now, back to the podcast. We have two guests today. One, amongst many accomplishments, is the first Aboriginal woman in the Victorian Parliament. Uh, She is the former Greens MP for the Victorian seat of Northcote and former Victorian NAIDOC chair. Our other guest is an AFL marquee signing for the Carlton Football Club and four-time premiership player with the Darabin Falcons. So please welcome to the stage Lydia Thorpe and Darcy Vessio. we should say anything. I think we should just let them talk because they're so rad. Absolutely. Um, So let's start with Lydia. Lydia, when you began, um, what made you think, because they say you have to see it to be it, but you couldn't see it, and yet you beat it. Um, (laughs) How did you step forward and say, yeah, I'm entitled into this space. I'm I'm allowed into this space. What made you think you could do it? Uh, Well, growing up, with a strong matriarchal line of women who've always 
stood up for our people and for our country, it was just a natural thing for me to get out there and, you know, want to have a voice in a place that's never been there before. It's well overdue. You said that you're from a long line of women who felt ownership and ability to step into the space. Did they encourage you? Do you think they helped you up that ladder? It was just something that we did and um, it just comes naturally in a lot of our communities. It's the Aboriginal women that stand up, speak up, and the men just follow us. So it's just... It's in our makeup, you know, it's, it's just something that we're tasked to do and I was sick of protesting on the steps of Parliament and wanted to protest inside Parliament instead. Can I ask a question? How do you start? Like, I'm sure there's lots of people in here and Guilty Feminist audiences are very activated and they do really get engaged. And I'm sure there are budding politicians here. Where do you start? What's the first thing when you go, I'm sick of protesting, this is doing something, but I want to do more? What's the next step? Well, you can join a party or not. Um, you can become an independent and you just do it. Like, you get good people around you and you run a good campaign. Um, you need a lot of people on the ground to knock on a lot of doors. How many campaigns did you run before you became an MP? One. Yes, what? mate. Yes, mate. What? That was it. One? Because normally don't you go up for uns sort of seats you can't win first just to kind of have a go at doing it. You didn't bother with that. You just went straight into just won a seat. Uh, well, we weren't meant to win the by-election, so it was, you know, it was a very big shock to win the Northgate by-election. It was an upset. Absolutely. And it took them 12 months to get over it and, and to... Stop crying. You know, stop crying. Got a lot of nasty looks in Parliament. There was still a lot of people that, you know, never got over it until, obviously, the, the last election when they won it back. But we did get a 4% swing, so it's now a very marginal seat here in Northgate. That's amazing. And what was it like going into presumably such a white male environment? And was there anyone in there who allied for you? Were there any terrible moments or any wonderful moments in terms of somebody shutting doors on you or opening them? It was a friendly environment. I mean, I was, you know, I was a token black fella in this white space, so I had a lot of comments like oh, you know, I had an Aboriginal neighbour and my friend's mum's Aboriginal and, you know, we know what it's like. So lots of those comments. We know what it's like to have an Aboriginal neighbour. So that's... We've seen them mowing and I've mowed. <laughs> a very similar experience. Mm. We've seen them drive in at the end of the day, get out of the car with both of their legs and arms and I similarly have got out of my station wagon and waved at the neighbours. It's almost as like there's no difference. <laughs> almost. People are there trying to be friendly, but... It, 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 <laughs> that was not convincing, Lydia. It's not working. Well, one not thing that did surprise me was the amount of parties that happen after Parliament, the amount of alcohol consumption and the bad behaviours of men. Mm. So that was a big surprise. I thought that, well, I should have known better, but... Going into a place, I thought that people would still, you know, they, that people elect these people. They're meant to be credible, responsible people acting in the best 
you know, the best Interests, for their community. Yeah. And they just, they're no better than anybody else. And the behaviours are, are still quite bad in there. So I what do you mean? What, they're just shit-faced every night? Let's uh, name So name. the end of parliament, an end of a parliament sitting, yes, shit-faced every night and going into the chamber intoxicated and debating intoxicated. <gasps> that was the biggest shock for me. I was blown away. Wow. So, sorry, that is horrific. Mm. It's... We oh, really need more... Felicity Ward's about to get up on a soapbox, mate. She is... <laughs> it's like, we pay your fucking wages. Do your job. <laughs> sorry. Because I don't live here anymore, I pay like 40% tax and I don't mind paying 40% tax because I love to see my money be reinvested in the country that raised me. But if the money is going to people that are pissing up their pay packets, I want my money back. I love the idea, Felicity, that you think that they pay for their own drinks. No, I don't. My money is paying for their oh, drinks. Oh, is it? But, yeah, you, I thought you said pissing away their pay packet. Those drinks, I'm telling you, will be bought by that. Yeah, they're not, they're not, not getting down to happy hour and getting two-for-ones. I get it. Sorry. No, no, no. In the House of Commons in Britain, they get very, very cheap booze, but really expensive wine, but they pay barely anything for it. I know I've been in those bars. <laughs> it's true. So were there any moments where other people helped raise you up or... Are there any moments that you got to use your power and your position and help raise other women up? I think it was more having the power to bring people into Parliament and show the people that was my workplace. And, you know, having people in Parliament that have never been into those doors and um, showing particularly women, young women, that this is just a workplace like anywhere else and that you can do this you know, and doing the tour myself and making people feel comfortable about just another workplace. Did you just so, have massive pride while you were doing that, showing other women around? Like, that's sick. Yeah, it was. And, you know, a few times we just took over a chamber when no one was sitting. And I just said, imagine this, you know, black women parliament running the state. Like, you know, and... That'd be nice. Yeah, it was lots of fun. We had lots of... Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Which brings us on to Darcy, because you're doing something extraordinary for women in sport. So could you tell us a little bit about what's happening with Australian rules? Because it's such a loved game here. We were talking about this afternoon that it's hard for people to understand how much a part of the culture it is, how much of a family event it is to go down and support your team. And it's not just a sport, really. It's a culture and a community. It's church, in a way, isn't it? The Australian church, yeah. But for a long time, women have really not been invited into that space. And recently, you had a very big match. There was a documentary about this match. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I guess for the past... We're in our third season now of the AFLW. So before that, there wasn't an opportunity for women to play 
football at the highest level um, like there is for the men um, and there was no money, um, like women weren't being paid to play or anything like that. So, yeah, I guess the past three years we've seen the rise of women's football and women becoming role models in a space that so many Australians love. It just really does mean a lot and it changes the way people see women, I think, in general in society. I guess because AFL people are heroes in the country, as silly as it may seem, but we've sort of been given a licence to become heroes. I want that on a T-shirt. We've license been given the licence to become, become heroes. heroes. I'm going to say, Woft. in a way I'm saying, I'm going to say you've taken the licence to become heroes because I think right. if it was going to be given, it would have been given a long time ago. Mm. Um, so the first match that was women playing at that highest level, there was an uncertainty whether there would be so much interest as there is for men's football, but not only did it sell out, they said that there were people climbing over the fences to get in who couldn't get tickets. Yeah, um, so I think I was working at the club at the time as well, um, and Carlton had prepared for maybe 17,000 or so, and the capacity was reached just before the first bounce, and I didn't realise at the time. What's the capacity? It's about 25,000. So. Right. so they were hoping for 17 and they yeah, got 25. That, yeah, well, and that I, was full. it was even lower, I think. It might have been 12 or something, just with catering and that sort of thing. They sort of thought, oh... Oh, oh we'll get 12,000 sausage rolls. Yeah. <laughs> and then... Oh, just walk around two. with the platters, little sauce on the side. <laughs> because there's 25,000 seats, but we'll just get yeah. enough donuts for 12,000. Yeah, because they And then know. they thought it was only women. But in fact, it completely sold out and then there were more people trying to get in. Yeah, people were crashing down the gates on the side. Um, everyone was just trying to squeeze in. There's footage of the CEO of the AFL talking to fans and being like, I'm sorry, like, I can't let you in. Like, there's no, there's literally no space left in there. But it was amazing, and people just wanted to be there. There was people who had never watched a game of football, but they knew that this was a momentous moment. And they just, they needed to be there. And you said that women are paid now at the highest level, but they're not paid the same as the men, are they? Not quite. Um, so, <laughs> is there a couple of bucks difference on what's that the, one? A couple of bucks, what's yeah. The, what's, what's, the, what's the pay gap like in your industry? Um, so the top tier for a women's AFL player is about $25,000 for the season. And for the men, it's... It's calm down. Know, it's, it's, not, only, it's, it's, it's a couple of bucks. It might be, mm, I don't know, 700000 or something like that. Like, I right. think the average is 300000 so our average is around fifteen. so... Yeah, there's a so Join the union. Join the union. We yes, have Jono. Jono, what can you do for her? Come on. Jono here with his union T-shirt has to sort this out. If the average is $15,000 a year, presumably people can't live on that easily. Are female footballers having to do second and third jobs? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So... Um, just in my team, a lot of the girls are teachers or landscapers, insurance claims people. Do the, um, la do the landscapers ever do the grounds? <laughs> no. And, like, to their advantage? Like, oh, yeah, probably just cut that grass a bit lower up that end, I reckon. 
No, I haven't seen her do that, but um, who knows? For the listeners at home, she's tapping the side of her nose as she yeah. says that. <laughs> <laughs> Given there is a market for it, if people are banging on the gate and the CEO's having to say, sorry, we, we don't have any more tickets to sell... Given there's a market for it, why don't they pay the women the same or at least be looking to sort of say, okay, over the next five years, we'll be building these matches, we'll be getting the games on television and we will be paying you the same? I really don't know. But I guess each year it's increased and the AFL has said they're investing a lot into grassroots to build those pathways. So, you know, a five-year-old girl can pick up a footy and play all the way up until they reach an AFL team if they want to. Do you do any outreach stuff with young girls to, in a way, pull them up the ladder? Yeah, well, I guess the whole AFLW movement is about that because not only are you doing it with girls within your team, like, you want them to feel physically and mentally at their best because it benefits the team and it benefits the movement, but, yeah, if you get out to local clubs, you just have to tell girls that they can do whatever they want to do and they can keep playing football if they want to, but just to back themselves and enjoy it. I think that's the main thing. I'm in a very fortunate position where it's very literal, being able to pull girls up. Like, you're out on the field. Three hours ago, I was out on the field and you're literally pulling girls up to <laughs> to get, get up and, and She came and straight again. from the game. Okay, she really straight did. from the game. We lost. She... She only just arrived just before curtain up. Can, can I ask a question about how much before the first bounce, how long before did you find out that they were at capacity, that the audience was at... at or the crowd, not the audience, sorry. <laughs> I'm a performer. <laughs> oh, I had no idea. So I didn't know until after the game and I when saw footage. When you ran out. How did that feel running out with you? I mean, I'm just about to cry thinking I about it. I felt like yeah. crying. When you did ran out. Did the audience out? cheer massively when yeah, you came well, out? Yeah, well, it was just amazing. Apparently, like, all the people I spoke to who were there, they said they were just crying, like, throughout the game. Just not because things, bad things were happening, but just because <laughs> it was just like, what, this is happening? I hope we this never... is good. Yeah. <laughs> but I remember running out for the warm-up. The first warm-up, you sort of go out and then you come back into the rooms and then you go out through the banner. And the first warm-up, I remember looking around and thinking, oh, like, there's a fair few people here. Like, it looks pretty good. Like, <laughs> I'm, like I've probably played in front of maybe 3,000 max up until this point. So I was just looking, it looked pretty good. And then I remember at one point in the game, like, I think I was just looking at a patch of grass that I knew there were no seats there or anything, but I could just see skin. I was just like... There's just so much skin. Like, cause there's just people <laughs> packed in. I it's was like, everywhere. It's, it's everywhere. Like, like a horror film. Yeah, but it was incredible. There were people on the steps. There were people everywhere. Like, yeah, it was, it was wild. What's interesting about this is Lydia is saying that she was the first Aboriginal woman in the Victorian Parliament after generations and generations of white men and then some white women. But you're the first generation of... Aussie rules, female football players at this level. And as a woman of colour, you are establishing what this looks like from the get-go. And do you feel that when you see the young girls coming up, is there diversity in the, in the, in the young girls who are playing this sport? Yeah, I think what women's footy has always been is a... It's like a safe haven for people who perhaps don't necessarily fit the mould. I think that's where women's footy is completely different 
to men's footy. Like for boys, it's almost expected that you play footy and it's very jock kind of culture. But women's footy has been a big LGBTI space. It's a space where people are, have always felt quite welcome. And it's almost like the misfits of society go to play women's footy. So <laughs> I feel like, yeah, it's, it's a, we've come a different pathway to the men. And it's awesome. Like even looking at the AFL, like there's no openly gay players in the AFL, whereas there's quite a few in the AFL. <laughs> <laughs> it's rife. It's rife, mate. <laughs> and I suppose, isn't that the different experience of just being like that difference of when you're the only woman, like you're trying not to, but you feel the burden of an entire gender on your shoulder and then of your people, that you're like, I'm the only one here. Like, I've got to do some stuff. And the different feeling between that and being surrounded by other women and the strength that you get from that. Deborah did a TV pilot last year and the entire writer's room were women. And it was just, there was one moment where the head writer was, we were having the morning meeting and she said, I've just got to pause. I, my periods are so bad, I think I'm going to be sick. And we all just went into our bags and then Nurofen, a banana, a glass of water and a tampon all just went... And it's, it was the most... It's not nearly as impressive as anything that you guys have done. But the unspoken not, language that we didn't have to go, oh, I'm sorry, I just feel a bit sick, that we could just say, yeah, I just got my period. And everyone's like, yeah, fine. Like, there's no discussion. But she said of all the writers' rooms she's ever been in, she'd never been able to say that before. She would have just slipped off and got herself some medication and just made an excuse. But it was just so great to be able to say it in that room. And you're right, sort of, in a way, what Darcy's doing is creating this kind of generation of women. And Lydia's been out there, in a way, in many ways, I imagine you felt on your own flying a flag. When you see Darcy, do you feel like you have things in common with her? Is there anything you'd like to tell her? Uh, uh, coming up as... No pressure, babe. <laughs> no, but you know what I mean. Like, is there anything... Do you feel like a simpatico? Because she is also at the forefront of something that's very public, something that's difficult to do, something that's uh, seen by all Australians. Well, I'm, I'm a real big fan of yours, Darcy. So. Cute. <laughs> Back at you. This is so cute. <laughs> yeah, can you two go? We are sending you for dinner afterwards, just to be clear. Yeah. And look, you know, I'm all about the next generation and giving opportunity for our young women to step forward and be confident and not worry about um, the things that do bring us down. I mean, for black women, we have so many layers of complexity, so we're dealing with so many things. So it is hard to rise above all of that and to know that there's young women like Darcy and others stepping out and being that role model, being a hero in so many young women's lives. It's massive and there is a change happening and, yeah, I just keep doing what you're doing and we've got to bring each other up. We've got to keep bringing each other up and not pulling each other down and I know being in the public space that happens a lot and it's about surrounding yourself with strong women 
of colour, particularly in our case, and sharing that load. So what I've been doing lately is sharing the trolls and what they're saying so you're not taking it all on and putting it out there and they'll stamp it out for you, but knowing that you've got good people around you and letting the young people that you talk to know that they've got role models in their lives that they can reach out to. Lydia, can you be my mum? <laughs> you can answer after the show. You don't have to tell me. Darcy, is there anything else you'd like to tell us that you would like the Guilty Feminist audience to act on, help with, or just anything you'd like us to know about Australian rules and the women within it? Well, I guess seeing as though the season's on at the moment, um, the biggest thing you can do is just get to a game and, and just support the girls out there. Um, and it shows the AFL that you want to watch it. Um, is it on television? Is it televised? Yeah, so there are, I think there are maybe two games on Channel 7 every week, which is free TV. And it's on Fox as well, if you've got Fox Cell. So watch it on television and tweet about it as well. well yeah, help talk about because it. Because it builds the energy around it. Yeah, exactly. And we love it. We love it when people come and watch us play. So it's a privilege. And it's exciting. Like, if you haven't been to a game, even if you don't know what's going on, you end up just losing your mind about 15 minutes in. <laughs> it's like, yeah, get them! Ball! You can even talk about the fisting, because there's a lot of fisting. I could talk fisting, about fisting. So you can, the fisting. If you get, when you go back to Parliament, you can talk about fisting. Lydia, is there anything else you'd like us to know about fisting? No. No, not that. No. The Green Party, your message for women, or anything that you would like Victorian, Melbourneian, or Australian guilty feminists to do, or indeed globally? I think we all need to be talking about treaty. We're the only yes, Commonwealth. Yes, 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 yes. We're the only Commonwealth country in the world that doesn't have a treaty with its first people. And we're sick of, you know, we've been patient. It's been 230 years of colonisation. Yeah, I think patient so, is an understatement, isn't it? Sorry, tactful need... way of putting it. I waited 25 minutes for my valet parking. I was like, <laughs> I'm getting a bit snippy here. So I reckon 230 years. Yeah, that's, that's all yeah, right. Yeah, it's pretty patient. Yeah. And, you know, Have treaty... I told you about my Aboriginal neighbour, though? <laughs> because we've got a treaty about the fence, so I think that's sort of done it. We've done the work. <laughs> and it's not just for Aboriginal people to be talking about treaty, it's for you to be talking about treaty because it's a peacemaking agreement between two sovereigns and it's a black you know, and white agreement and we all need to be talking about it. do we, as constituents, as voters, how do we actually do that? Like, often when it comes to politics, I don't know what to do, you know, I can write a letter, but what is the best way and most effective way that we can help getting this treaty to be spoken about? 
Uh, we need to put pressure on the politicians. Um. If you're listening at home, Lydia has done air quotes around <laughs> politicians. And we Locals? can hold treaty circles. We can continue to have treaty circles and have a better understanding of what treaty is. And we need to be aware of what country we're on, what language is spoken on that country. And, you know, we have 38 nations around the state. Victoria are talking about a treaty, but they're not being inclusive of the 38 nations. They've only selected 11 of the 38. So we need to make sure it's a fair process and that everyone's at the table. What do you mean they've selected 11? What, like The Bachelor or something? Yeah. It's sort of like, yeah. oh, pretty much. What, just it's American Idol. We've got the top 10. I'm absolutely astounded by that. That's really worse than nothing. Have you it? read any history books about Australia? Because that is very on no, brand, to be no, fair. No, to be, yeah, no, you're right. You're right. But it just seems to go so far as to say, yes, we'll have a treaty. 38 seems a lot. It's a lot. It's going to take ages. Could you bring us your top 11? It's not even a round number. What are they doing? That's what I'm most upset I about. I just don't understand how they've come to that conclusion. So we need to be, is there a hashtag where people can participate in the conversation and put pressure? No, not currently. I'm working on that. I'm working on a national treaty campaign. So if you're interested, just go to my Facebook and let me know and I'll include you. So go there and offer support. I think we're at a point now where we want to leave the house. We want to get our hands dirty. We want to actually do more than click a link, sign a petition, do a hashtag. If we're creating hashtags now, they should be there so we can find each other for community organising and we can actually get together and we can say, look, there's so many people in this room. If even everyone here, without anyone even listening on the podcast, relentlessly started to write to their MPs and found out when they were having surgeries and saying, look, um, I, you know, do you call them surgeries here? No. Oh. <laughs> Doctor's surgeries. That's what I thought. I'm no. like, this surgeries is taking like, a turn. It's when you, I, what do you call it when your MP comes to your local constituency and you can come and talk to them about problems? A couple of weeks before an election. <laughs> that is a very good joke. Thanks, do you not have a regular, you don't have a regular surgery? Town hall. Town hall. Okay. So if all of you turned up to your town hall, and you said, look, this concerns us, we want a treaty, it would make a big difference. And if you all came with T-shirts and signs that said 38, not 11, they'd start to go, shit, all of these people are active people who are voters. So we don't listen to them, we may not get voted back in. That's really how it works. They don't make legislation for groups who don't vote. And that's why it was so important uh, for women and marginalised people, Indigenous people, to get the vote. So we've got to show we're using it, and we've got to show we will use it in a way which has power. So create a community with Lydia, get involved, and you will see it change. It will absolutely change. A treaty will happen in Victoria if even only the people in this room make it happen. And if you're listening to the podcast at home and you live in Victoria or you live in another part of Australia, start getting busy, because that's what's going to make a change. And watch a little Aussie rules to unwind. Will you put your hands together?
welcome to the stage, Deborah Francis Ward. I once went into a company to meet a woman uh, to talk about whether or not I could come in and deliver a seminar there for, you know, I do those women in business seminars. And they said, the trouble is she's not going to like you because she is very competitive with other women that she will perceive to be a threat. And I'm guaranteeing you, she will think you're going to be a threat. So we all want it, but Tracy doesn't want it. And Tracy is going to have to sign you off. And I said, well, you know, let's not judge Tracy before. She might like me. And the guy said, Tracy doesn't like anybody. <laughs> She's horrible to everybody. But she especially hates other women. And she especially hates any woman that she perceives to be confident. So she's going to hate you. <laughs> Go in for the meeting, because, you know, but she's going to hate you. Like, hate you. <laughs> you hate. Ooh. Ugh. And I said, well, if she's so awful, why does she work in your company? Why has she not been fired? And the guy went, well, no, Tracy will never be fired because she is the biggest rainmaker in the company. She is so good with clients. Oh, if you were a client, she'd be lovely to you. She is amazing with clients and she makes more money than any other partner in the firm. And so I thought, okay, okay. So I walked in to the meeting with Tracy. She said, hello, I'm Tracy. And her body said, I hate you. Her face said, I hate you. Her handshake said, I hate you so much. And so I put my hand out, and the first thing I said was, oh, yes, Tracy, I've heard all about you. Jeff said, you're the main rainmaker for the company. And she went, did he? Exactly. Now you feel sorry for Tracy. Because I realized that no one had given Tracy a compliment inside 12 years because no one wanted to, because they all felt like Tracy hated them. And so when I said that, she went, did he, did he say that? And I said, yeah, yeah, he said, the company could not do without you. It was impossible to think of the company without you. And she went, oh, really? And then we had this lovely meeting in which she loved me. And she hired me to do this seminar. And as I was leaving, just as I was about to go out the door, she just went, what else did Jeff say? <laughs> because even if somebody is trying to keep other people out, it's generally a sign that they feel if they don't keep you out, they're going to be out. So the trick, I think, is when you feel you're being shut out and your status is being lowered to raise the status of the other person. So this works in all sorts of situations. I was asked years ago to come into a local radio station, this is back in the day, to come into a local radio station because they wanted to change the format of the morning radio local show. And the man who had been the DJ of this local radio show for like genuinely 17 years was so angry about this. It was like 
walking into somebody else's divorce proceedings and trying to run a fun creativity workshop. Like, hey, why don't we all point at things and say what they're not? Um, he was so angry. So she'd asked me to do a series of creativity exercises with everyone at this radio station, and at the end of the day, the idea was that that morning breakfast radio show would be different, and that Alan would not be the only DJ on the show. Alan had had this space and owned this space for 17 years. I have never, ever seen an angrier man. But the thing is, my normal MO, which is to find something that the person can do well and then raise their status in front of everybody if they're resisting, did not work because he wouldn't do anything good. <laughs> Everything he did was mean and horrible and I couldn't bring it myself to sort of say, oh, that's kind of thing we're looking for, Alan. Because every single time I suggested we do something, he'd go, why, that's stupid. And I was like, what am I going to do? My normal fail-safe raise the status isn't working. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? And honestly, people were getting tenser and tenser as every time someone would suggest in these creativity sessions, how about we do more competitions? You know, just like stuff like that, radio stuff. Why don't we do a competition where everyone can ring in and say the name of their dog? And then the best dog name wins a pizza. And, and Alan uh, would go, oh, we had competitions and they didn't work. It was really, really tense. But then I remembered, I remembered that I had heard Alan on the radio shows. They'd sent me some tapes and I realized I could say something. Now, admittedly, he was boring, but he was very boring, but but they wanted to put more people with him to make him less boring, and he was very angry about this. So what I said was, Alan, I heard some of the tapes. And do you know what I thought? Is when somebody phoned in, that's when your talent really shone, because you were really good with other people, and you came alive, which is true. He was less boring when he was talking to someone else. <laughs> so I wasn't being inauthentic. And I said, oh, you know, like that one with the man rang in about the zebra, and then you were really funny, and then you brought that man to life. Your talent is making other people look good and bringing other people to life, and no one can see your talent because you're having to sit in a room on your own talking to yourself. And then we had a break, and he came up to me in the break and went, what else did you hear? Did you hear the one with the dog? <laughs> And he was so all over me. I'd never seen a man more lit up. And then after the break, he made this pitch to the room. He said, I need this to be a posse show. I need two people to join me because at the moment, no one is seeing my true talent. <laughs> The answer is always to bring people up, find out what they're scared of, and reassure them that the opposite will happen, and that they are special and loved and valuable and listened to too, even if they're a men's rights activist. Usually that's what they're just really frightened people. So to bring them up, make them feel a little bit better about themselves. And if that doesn't work, just block them. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you. 
Hello, Guilty Feminists. This is Jessica Regan here. I'm delighted to tell you that due to popular demand, we are holding three big speeches workshops in London on the 12th of May, the 19th of May and June 2nd at the Hen and Chickens in Highbury and Islington. Please go to guiltyfeminist.com to book your place. Looking forward to seeing you there. finish for you so we have a final guest to come out and do a really fun big finish to leave you on a high but before we do can I just say Lydia is there anything you'd like to plug or even just the name of your website uh, there is a hashtag it's hashtag 38 nations there you go and I will plug that it's a national treaty rather than Victorian treaty and that it is the alternative to the Uluru statement okay great Do you have anything else to plug? Anything you'd like us to watch, go to? Yeah, just get to the footy. (laughs) Just get to the footy. And if you go to the footy, sit in the front row wearing a T-shirt that says, please wash it first, I'm menopausal. (laughs) And... Or thanks for letting me be a hero. Exactly. And then Darcy will know you're guilty feminist people. License, license to be a hero. So the t-shirts should say license to be a hero and I think we should start a hashtag license to be a hero as well. Thanks, Deb. I was told by a friend to give you a jumper. So (gasps) this is something you can wear. Someone who lived in Carlton for what five does, years, I am say? devastated. Yeah, yeah. What does this say? <laughs> is that racy? That's it. No, I'm delighted you think I'm a small. Don't apologise, Darcy. Uh, this is. If you do need to get another size. Oh my God, this is amazing. Oh, I can't read this out because it's not modest of me, but it's really beautiful. Thank you so much. That's really lovely. Doesn't doing this podcast and you think of all the wonderful people you get on here, I'm like, oh, I do not have a good job. (laughs) I am a bad, lazy person. No. But if you read that, you'll see that we've had an effect on Darcy. I'll read it afterwards because I'll cry. No, I I am crying, really. Yeah, it's so moving. I'm a massive pussy, as you know. Well, I just feel like every... If you do your bit for feminism well, like I know sometimes we can feel like we're clowns, but if you do your bit for feminism well and you keep showing up, you will have your impact. And I think that's what you have to remember. Your job might not be a public job. Your job might not be a job where people call you a hero all the time. But if you keep showing up and you keep expressing feminist values and you keep being kind and you keep trying to pull people up within that, even even the ones that make your life difficult, you do have an impact and you will leave this world a different place. But hopefully not too soon. (laughs) (laughs) Felicity Ward. Do you have anything to plug? I do have something to plug. Um, first, I know this show's running long, but I just say one thing. When you were talking about it being the first game, does anyone know the film A League of Their Own? Yeah. 
one of the greatest films of all time, and it's about the women's baseball league that got started while the war was oh, on. I love that film. And I was just thinking, this is why I started crying. I'm like, they're going to make a movie about you, and I've, I got to speak to you, and you're in the first. Yes. Like, there's going to be a movie. So going to make a movie about the first AFLW league. I think this and is. And you're in it. I think this is going to be a scene in the movie, though. This is going to be seen in the movie. Okay, we'll write the movie. Can we play ourselves? Hashtag copyright Felicity Ward 2019. And it's called Permission to be a Hero. License. License. License to be a Hero. License to be a Hero. Perfect. Okay, now I've got some things to plug. Okay, plug your things. Very quickly, I am going to be, if you are in Brisbane, I am going to be at the Brisbane Comedy Festival on the 23rd of February. If you're in Adelaide, I'm going to be at the Adelaide Fringe Festival on the 24th of February. If you're in Melbourne, and you are, I'm going to be at the Melbourne Comedy Festival on the 28th of March for the whole month. Please buy tickets. This is a long way from London. I am not as rich as you think I am. And finally, I'm going to be in Sydney for two nights on the Anzac Day weekend, also doing the same show. The end. Awesome. To sing us out, please welcome to the stage Jane York from Big Feminist Sing! Hello everyone. Has everyone been having an amazing time? Yes. Now, normally we do a big feminist sing, which goes for about two hours, but tonight we're going to do a mini big guilty feminist sing. Does that sound like fun? Do you guys want to do that? Yeah. Quick shout out if you sing in a choir regularly. That's quite a few people. All right, fantastic. We're going to divvy the room up, but we're going to start by singing all together. So we're going to sing an unofficial, official, big guilty feminist anthem. And uh, you'll know it. And if you don't know it, then I actually envy you slightly. We're going to sing on a loop and just join me when you've got it. Dum... Da da dum, I can't hold it back anymore. Dum, da da dum, I can't hold it back anymore. Dum, dum dum dum. Let it go, let it go. different for all of us. Can I ask my assistant musical director to come give me a hand? Felicity dobbed herself in last night as loving harmony singing. So I got her to come and help me and she loves this song in particular. I don't. (laughs) It's true. But I do love to harmonise. It's a feminist anthem. It's It's all about not wanting to be a good girl anymore and breaking free. That does not make me like it more. I'm here. I'm, so I support you. You're here for me. Fantastic. All right. Good. So we're going to divvy the room up. So you know where the aisles are? That's where we're going to do the divide. So if you're on that side of the aisle, you're going to 
dum dum, exactly like we're doing. Yeah, let's try that. Dum is the note. One, two, three, and dum, 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 dum. I can't hold it back anymore. Keep going. I don't know what we're Let doing. Let it go. Let it go. And we're going to ooh, listen. Ooh. Let it go. Let it go. to applaud is you think, oh, normally I'm listening to this on a tram. 
local, local knowledge. Number 86, cunt. The 86. Normally, normally I'm listening to this on the 86. Now, The Guilty Feminist is going on tour. These epic shows will not be recorded, so you'll have to come and see them for yourself to know what's in them. We have a fantastic lineup of guest comedians and singers for you. Here are just a few of them. Hello, I'm Catherine Bohart. This is Take 147, but here we go. I am very excited to be joining the Guilty Feminist Tour on May 19th in Oxford. It's going to be fun. It's always fun. And we always have a good time. I mean, those mean the same thing, but I've said them now. So here we are. May 19th, Oxford. See you there, hopefully. It's Athena Kablenu here, and I am thrilled to be joining the Guilty Feminist on the South End leg of the Guilty Feminist Tour. It's on the 12th of May, and I cannot wait. Well, hello, um, I'm Jenny Eclair. Just checking then. I need to wear a name badge. Can't remember who I am, where I am. I'm at home at the moment. But guess what? On the 2nd of May, I won't be at home because I'm going to be in Birmingham with um, the live Guilty Feminist podcast thing on the stage. It's going to be marvellous. You're an idiot if you miss it. That's all I can say, really. Um, be there or be square, as we used to say in the old days. <laughs> Anyway, um, I'm hugely looking forward to it, and um, I hope you are too. Hi, I'm Mifa Queen, and I'm thrilled to be joining the Guilty Feminist podcast tour in May. I'm going to be singing some songs on the following dates, Thursday the 2nd of May in Birmingham, Friday the 3rd of May in Hull, Friday the 10th of May in Colchester, Friday the 17th of May in Aylesbury, and Saturday the 18th of May in Bournemouth. I'm beyond excited. It's an amazing lineup um, and can't wait to see you there. Hello, this is Jess Robinson and I am absolutely thrilled to be joining the Guilty Feminist Tour on the 1st of May in Halifax, the 4th of May in Newcastle, the 5th of May in Salford, the 11th of May in Richmond, the 12th of May in Southend and the 19th of May in Oxford. I'm absolutely over the moon. I can't wait, guys. I hope that you will all be there and we will have a wonderful time and live happily ever after. How I hit my hand. The end. Hello, I'm Heidi Regan um, and I'm very excited to be joining the Guilty Feminist Tour on the 16th of May in Cambridge and the 30th of May in Leicester. I can't wait. I think it's going to be amazing. Thank you. Hello, I'm Jessica Fosterkew. I'm excited to tell you that I'm joining the Guilty Feminist on tour. It's uh, all through May. I'll be doing a little bit of stand-up on the 9th in Ipswich, on the 15th in Cardiff, on the 16th in Cambridge, on the 17th in Aylesbury, on the 19th in Oxford. You're right, there's loads of these. On the 23rd in Sheffield and on the 24th in Coventry. See you there, please. I think it's going to be really fun. And it doesn't stop there. We have Sindhu V in Halifax Hull, Newcastle, Salford, Leicester and Nottingham. And we have Bridget Christie in Colchester, Aylesbury, Bournemouth and Southampton. We have Felicity Ward and Kemar Bob in too many places to list. We also have Angela Barnes, Grace Petrie and many more. Go to guiltyfeminist.com slash tour to see the full list and a book. Guilty Feminist. 